We live in a world that is forever changing from one day to the next. Now add to that an inner world that is forever at odds with itself. How does one accomplish anything when the only thing that is certain is uncertainty? Welcome to the Lifting with Bipolar podcast, the show designed to be an educational safe haven offering real world solutions for real world people. My name is Jonathan Sharko. Living with Bipolar 1 in today's world is a double-edged sword, but I'm here to work through it with you. Let's get right into today's episode. Alrighty, folks, welcome to another episode of the Lifting with Bipolar podcast. Uh, My name is Jonathan Sharko, and our guest today is Paulina. Uh, As always, we'll just kind of share the microphone. We'll toss the microphone over to Paulina, let her introduce herself, and then we'll kind of dive into some questions today. So, uh, Paulina, thanks again for your time today. And uh, yeah, tell tell us in our audience a little bit about yourself. So my name is Polina. Uh, I'm a psychiatric physician assistant. I've been in practice for about six years now. I also worked in primary care at some point for a year. Um, I have bipolar disorder. I was diagnosed when I was about 21 year old and um, I was uh, not accepting of my diagnosis uh, for quite some time. Um, and then once I started working with patients, and seeing how much similarities there are between patients and what they're going through and what are the outcomes of them being treated versus escaping the treatment for some time or not accepting the diagnosis. I was like, okay, I'm going to stick to my meds. And um, yeah, since uh, that time, I think uh, things have been pretty stable and uh, I was able to help a lot of people through my own experience and figuring out things on my own, like what helps, what doesn't. Um, so uh, I originally am from Russia. I've uh, come here. I came here when I was 17 uh, for college. I went to college here. Um, then uh, I wanted to do research and I got into a PhD program. And that's when I had my first manic episode. So that didn't work out. I went on a leave of absence and had to restart all over again. And at the end of that year, I realized it's not for me. And I really uh, crave some clinical work. Uh, that's why I decided to go to PA school. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much it. Now I live in Miami. I'm really happy here. Um, it's great weather. You all guys should move here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm originally from Las Vegas. I live in Reno now, but I can, I don't know if it's, Definitely, definitely not the beach kind of vibe, but definitely kind of the warm weather in there um, with Miami. So it's nice to have some sunshine most most days of the year. Um, I can totally relate to that. Yeah, I think it was my senior year of college is when I've had my very first episode, my first manic episode. And um, I, too, it took me a while to kind of accept my diagnosis. Um, I think I was just kind of resistant to it. Um, just saying, you know, it wasn't me or some of those things. I was just kind of hesitant to take the medications. But, oh, man, did my life get so much better when I kind of accepted it and really went all in with taking medication, uh, taking medications, um, getting therapy and some of those things. So, um, very, very unique to have somebody on who also has bipolar one, but also is working in the medical field and kind of can see it firsthand day in and day out. So is it pretty common for people? I have bipolar two. So just, uh, to be clear. Yeah. Okay. Um, So you have bipolar two. I have, I have bipolar one, um, mm -hmm. definitely some, some similarities, but definitely some major differences between the two. Mm -hmm. Um, have you, is it pretty common for you and kind of your experience in the medical field profession to kind of see people who have just kind of have trouble like accepting their diagnosis at the beginning stages? Yes, it's very common because uh, it's uh, confusing for people what is uh, normal and what is getting into disorder. Uh, so 
when you are in your own head, it's hard to differentiate where where do you cross that fine line. And sometimes, honestly, uh, I still don't know where that line is uh, for myself. Mm-hmm. So that's why you need to have a mental health professional or, or a coach uh, to to kind of like guide you through that and, you know, tell you when it's time to adjust things. Yeah. What is some of maybe your like kind of go-to advice maybe that you have for somebody who's just being diagnosed or maybe kind of having symptoms for the very first time? For the new people, I just uh, would say uh, it's not a death sentence and it's not something that you are. It's something that you have to accept and sometimes it's going to be really hard um, and it is, you know, a disability and sometimes maybe you will find some sort of silver lining here and there um, in this whole experience. So number one is seek the right mental health professional whom you trust, who listens to you, uh, and who will, through trial and error sometimes, but find that good medication regimen for you that will keep you stable. Um, And also keep in mind, sometimes you would have to adjust it based on your life experiences based on uh, what's going on in your life. So Mm -hmm. keep yourself in psychiatric care uh, and stick to your meds. Don't yank it back and forth. I I, um, uh, compare it to like a genie. Don't let the genie out of the bottle because each time you let it out, it's harder and harder to put it in. So Mm -hmm. the meds that you would have to be on are going to be uh, heavier and heavier in combination of medications and, uh, you know, just uh, medications with more side effects possibly. So if you find something that works for you, stick to it. Okay. So um, also stick to the good uh, uh, regimen. Read about it. Educate yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Keep that wake cycle uh, stable. Don't use drugs and alcohol. Um, And yeah, that's, that's, pretty much it yeah no i think those are two really kind of foundations or big pillars into kind of maintaining a stable life with uh with people who are just kind of being newly diagnosed is um like giving up drugs and alcohol use i too kind of had to do with that i think it's pretty common for people to have like a um just like a co co-occurrence where people use drugs and alcohol maybe yeah yeah yeah, code like uh yeah maybe like prior existing like going into it maybe self-medicating or kind of using drugs or alcohol or illicit substances and things like that but um, really, life is so much better. I've been uh, I've been a few years sober now, and my my episodes have really uh, minimalized and um, just been really a lot more stable and a lot happier um, without it. There is life on the other side with that. So, exactly. and then yeah, just kind of getting into a regimen like with your circadian rhythm, I can kind of speak to that as well and really relate to that. Just mm-hmm. kind of having waking up, going to bed every day, every every single time or at the same time every day really um, mm-hmm. plays a big role in that. And then yeah, just sticking to your medications and. I love the metaphor of just not, you know, not letting that genie out of the bottle. I think that's uh, that's something great. I never heard before, but I might steal that from you and, um, sure. and, use it and tell other people about that. So, right, right. Um, and um, you know, I wanted to mention my uh, personal experience with uh, alcohol. Um, yeah, from please Russia. do. So I've been drinking ever since I was eleven. Okay, I could buy a bottle of vodka back then, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a part of my culture, so to say. Uh, so when I was twenty-six. I started having anaphylactic reactions to alcohol, which was pretty bizarre and scary. And I've been sober for seven years. I'm forced to be sober 
but oh boy, so many positives came out of it, you know. Um, so as for drugs, I have experimented with some drugs and even after knowing what it can do to your brain, I still, you know, wanted to experiment. Mm-hmm. And of course that didn't come out good, but I just got so scared that I never tried again. So anybody who is thinking about, you know, medicating self with marijuana, uh, just know that does destroy your brain. Literally it pushes you towards pathology. Each time you use it, you cannot use once a month. Oh, I just use a little bit just before sleep. No, it, each time you use it, you're getting closer to, uh, some sort of uh, pathophysiology mm-hmm. in your brain. Yeah, I think that's very great advice, especially with like uh, <clears throat> marijuana being, um, you know, getting more and more legalized here in the United States and some of those things and be more culturally accepted. But at the same token, like it's not for everybody, especially with those who are living with uh, bipolar disorder. Um, I, I can speak to that as well. Like uh, when I was diagnosed, I was about 23 years old, which I don't know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe the most prevalent age, I think based on my um, amateur reading and things like that, that's kind of a common mm-hmm. age, maybe like in the adolescence yes. or early age, but it's mm-hmm. very common to kind of experiment with uh, illicit substances and things like that. And yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just can be like a cultural thing, like, uh, like, you know, with uh, drinking alcohol or using uh, illicit substances, but at the, at the same time, it's good to just kind of let your brain um, keep developing and um, kind of abstain from the, those things. So. Right, right. Um, that mm-hmm. uh, was very interesting. I, it happened. Uh, I was in college and I had an internship in this very cool lab that studied schizophrenia. So mm-hmm. we were doing postmortem brain tissue of monkeys and how it develops over the time and how this endocannabinoid system that processes marijuana develops over time in the monkey brain. So uh, I had to dive in into how cannabis affects adolescent brain. And it definitely uh, predisposes people even more to schizophrenia. And, you know, schizophrenia and bipolar, they're kind of like on uh, on a spectrum. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, definitely um, I've seen so many times first brain psychosis due to one-time use marijuana. One time. That's it. Wow. And never coming back. Um, so... Surprisingly, after I came back from my internship, uh, I was uh, in a college where they smoked marijuana a lot and mm-hmm. somebody offered me and I was, um, I, I, I got tempted. I was, I got too curious. And then I had such a bad trip that I thought that I'm going to wake up with schizophrenia. I didn't know that I have a bipolar back then, but mm-hmm. I thought I'm going to wake up with schizophrenia because I've got super paranoid. My aunt has schizophrenia. So it was so scary that I never wish it upon anybody. Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely see like the paranoia kind of setting in and just having a bad mm-hmm. trip and that, especially maybe if it runs in your family and kind of with your own personal studies and things like that, kind of knowing right. firsthand and what you're doing day to day in your internship. So, right, right. Yeah. So, and I was like, I was like, God told me, don't do that. Why <laughs> did I do that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but peer pressure is real. Temptation is real out there. So it's just good. It's good to kind of surround yourself with uh, with good peers and people who support just living yes. a sober life. And oh my god, um, that was one of the things I wanted to talk about. It's mm-hmm. uh, you know the uh, talking about non pharmacological things that you can do to uh, improve your quality of life. No drugs, no alcohol, alcohol, healthy diet, and surrounding yourself with people who support all that. Like a lot of my 
uh, friends are uh, personal trainers or people who are really into healthy lifestyle who don't think that drinking is cool at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just have other goals, fitness goals. And uh, I enjoy being around those people and learning from them and being supported by them. Yeah, no, I think that that was kind of some of the questions we had lined up today. So maybe let's kind of dive a little bit ahead and or sneak a little mm-hmm. bit ahead and maybe touch on some of these non-pharmacological ones, like um, like having a peer support group, how essential to you in your opinion? Like, um, what, what are your experience in developing like a, a peer support group? And maybe that's something maybe you give your patients as well as to kind of developing a good uh, support network. Well, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know uh, how to create a support group. Like for mm-hmm. each and every person is going to be different. So mm-hmm. I would just say have the right mindset and keep in mind that you are the average of your the five people you hanging out with. Yeah. Uh, don't waste your time on empty people who are pushing you and tempting you. Um, I would rather say that um, sign up for a gym and meet people there, like for example. Okay, um, exercise is super important. Uh, I tell patients that exercise is a part of your medication regimen. Um, that's kind of like my coin coin word. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm straightforward with them. I'm like there is no happiness without exercise. If you have bipolar disorder, you just can't be like you can't be good. Uh, and sometimes it takes me years to convince somebody to exercise. That's that's another thing about psychiatry. You tell patient, okay, you have to exercise, and then uh, you know you tell them maybe twice. That's what doctors do, and in primary care as well, you have high, high cholesterol, high blood pressure. You have to exercise, but then you mm-hmm. don't touch upon it because they don't do it, and you just like give up. Uh, but I don't give up on my patients. I every every visit we discuss that. Did mm-hmm. you exercise? Did you, did you didn't? Okay, well, try what's the uh, hurdles between you and exercise. Let's talk about it. You promised me you're going to exercise? Okay, they didn't exercise again. And we have this conversation all over again. And in two years, sometimes it's like a drop to the stone. In two mm-hmm. years, I start exercising. I get to everybody. Yeah. No, yeah. I think that's great. I mean, I'm a, I'm a personal trainer myself. A lot of my clientele mm-hmm. are people who have bipolar disorder and um, like some of the side effects is like weight gain and some of those things and or just kind of having mood, um, you know, just ha- just overall just living with their mood and depression with the highs and lows. But um, me and my personal experience, I found exercise to be uh, really therapeutic, really an outlet for me. Uh, maybe maybe you can maybe touch on some of your experience with exercise and why do you why do you think it's so yes. beneficial and maybe why do you recommend it so highly to your patients as a non-pharmacological route of treating their mood disorder? So, um, for me, uh, I've been, uh, like a, um, non-athletic kid who never played sport ever in my life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then as I was in college and, um, uh, in grad school, I noticed that whenever I exercise spurts of exercise, like a couple of months, I feel really good. And I don't know, maybe it was like subclinical hypomania when I was exercising, but, Mm-hmm. Um, when I really like was goal directed about it, but, uh, I noticed I felt good. Um, and then I, you know, started seeing that a lot of people who are my patients, they're also, um, regulating their mood with exercise and they get better. But anyway, before that, um, uh, I, when I got my first job, my first paycheck went to a personal mm-hmm. trainer. 
hiring a personal trainer. I mean, maybe it's a Miami thing, uh, but that's vanity certainly keeps us healthy here, mm-hmm. uh, healthier. So um, I can't emphasize enough the importance of guidance in uh, exercise. Because first, uh, you know, you are, don't want to hurt yourself. Like, you know, you do the deadlift the wrong way. If you don't know how to do it, that's it. Your back is out. Is out. You're going, not going to be able to do anything. Yeah. So it's important to learn proper form. Hire a trainer for at least a month so that you go learn basics. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you can get hop on into some maybe app or uh, like a, ask the trainer to write you a program that you, you can stick to, but you need to learn proper form. Then, you know, efficiency. You can work out for two hours in the gym, but it's not going to be efficient. You won't know like which muscles to work. And you know, some people just do cardio all day long and expect the results. That's not how it works. Uh, you're not going to achieve the results and you're going to spend too much time on it. I, I remember in, in PhD program, I used to, um, well, during hypermanic episode, I was working out twi- two hours per day, uh, mm-hmm. doing like Zumba and cardio running. It, great, but you, you gain, I gained all the weight back right away after I stopped doing that. And it was just like useless. I mean, you know what I'm t- talking about? Like it's yeah. not good. Mm-hmm. Um, then, uh, accountability, of course, um, with the trainer, um, and the results, because uh, what I recommend patients is do weight training, most importantly. That's what's mm-hmm. shown to be most effective for depression. It's, it's a combination of uh, weight training and uh, heat workouts. But uh, when you rip that muscle, it emits hormones that mm-hmm. go to your brain and literally undepress you. When you press, you undepress. That's also my I like thing that. to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to rip that muscle. You go, go become a, a gym person, you know, leave that weight. Yeah, no, I think it's great. I think it really is uh, an investment in yourself. I think so many mm-hmm. people, and maybe it's just Western medicine or things like that. They're always looking for something over the counter, easier medication or something to take. And they don't really view a personal trainer as kind of like a, an ally in that kind of health span or that kind of health sphere is like, they're really going to improve their longevity, improve their um, improve their metabolic markers, improve their blood work, and things like that, and how they kind of tie in. And uh, I really love right. that coin that that kind of phrase. You got to press. Uh, you have to press to un to depress. What does that say? That one more time. You have to press. When you press, like you a press. bench press, yep, you un press. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and there is like some data in there to prove that you know through resistance training, through weight, through weightlifting, there is some uh, there is some real scientific evidence to prove that um, it releases hormones and just improves your mood and kind of helps alleviate with the moods, with the depression, with the lows. So. Right, right. And um, interestingly enough, after I got a trainer, then I fell off the routine. Uh, and uh, I got so depressed, with the, especially with the new job and all the responsibilities. I'm also a mom. I have mm-hmm. a nine-year-old. So uh, I got super depressed and I, I could not even exercise because I was so depressed. Um, and in denial that I'm depressed, but then I got another trainer and I changed my medication first, which gave me the energy to work out and I changed the trainer and with that trainer, I lost 20 pounds. And ever since I never stopped, 
Yeah. Um, I don't stop because I uh, I'm running away from my depression. As soon as I stop exercising, I start hibernating. I call it like mm-hmm. the depression creeps in right away, and I'm just so don't want to go back to that. That I have to keep on going, and I work out three to five times a week. I drop everything, everything. Gym is number one priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you kind of like, uh, do you kind of like schedule it as well? And like when you're maybe starting your week every week or maybe kind of putting it on the calendar, making it, uh, making it and, um, a priority for yourself. Is that maybe one kind of tool or kind of so way you can kind of make sure I'm you have using, the time? Yeah. The tool I'm using, I'm allotting a men- mentally, uh, mm-hmm. workout time for like an hour every day. And mm-hmm. then something happens at least twice a day, twice a week, something that will throw me off my routine yeah. uh, and emergencies come up and, you know, children work, everything. So if I miss, here we go. Here's your four times a week, you know, but uh, mentally, I know that I can work out every day if I, if I want to. So yeah. that's my trick. Yeah, and I, and I really, you're really speaking my language and really kind of making the most value or most bang for your buck, really not spinning your wheels with a lot of just straight cardio, being like a cardio bunny or what it, what do you, however you call it, but yeah. uh, really getting in there and, and resistance training. So, um, and like lifting the heavy weights and, and, and moving your body and just kind of making the time. So how, how maybe often do you, you spend maybe an hour a day working out? Um, yeah, yeah, I would okay. say an hour. Yeah. 40, uh, 45 to 50 minutes, uh, working yeah. out. So I, um, Usually work out uh, in the morning before mm-hmm. going to work. Uh, I go to a special gym where we have sauna and cold plunge, and that's the second thing I want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, um, so I do it before work. On weekends, uh, I have different schedule uh, for my work, so I actually have to uh, do it in the evening. And yeah, mm-hmm. that's part of the weekend. Yeah. I mean, you can get so much done in, in 30, 45 minutes, 60 minutes. You can really get a lot done. You don't really have to feel like, oh man, if I'm going to be a gym goer, I have to dedicate two or three hours a day every single day. That's no. not really the case. So no. So yeah, that's great. Like, I'm, I'm really happy you have access to like a cold plunge and a sauna. Maybe we can kind of touch on some of those uh, yes. those topics and so, maybe how are those good, good toolboxes or good tools to have in your toolbox? They're amazing to, uh, tools. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say after like medication, exercise and the cold plunge, like they're almost the same power on on depression, on bipolar, on mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, cold plunge increases your dopamine and norepinephrine hundreds percent. Well, there's some stu- there's some studies that show like if you submerge somebody in the, in water for quite some time, that's that's how high the levels can be. Wow. Some neuroscientists compare um, uh, cold plunge to cocaine. And mm-hmm. I actually can totally see that. Like when I'm seven minutes in, in the cold plunge, I start getting the feeling of some sort of high. And I, I actually get scared because, it's, you know, hypermania. I was like, oh, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> so I get out. But it, it is very strong. And um, I started cold plunging like a year ago consistently. Um, I started with one second in and out. The um, temperature is like 45, 50 degrees in the, in the tub. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do this at home, by the way. Uh, it requires uh, uh, discipline, I would say. I would I recommend my patients freezing small water bottles, like those tiny ones, and mm-hmm. uh, then use them for, for the in the tub. Um, or you can just buy ice, but that gets expensive. So I recommend the water bottles and do the ice bath after your workouts. Um, I like doing this after workout. 
mm-hmm. for that it's a torture i am some people say there are benefits i i'm not i'm not there yet okay i did yeah. after after workout even the growth of the muscle maybe not as good i don't care it's good for my, my mental health that's that's what matters and um yeah, yeah and the um uh, thankfully we have uh the infrared sauna if you have sauna in your gym definitely use it because that helps with anxiety that helps with sleep a lot the more mm-hmm. heat you use the more sleepier you're gonna get so and the, the the more cold you use the more awake you're gonna get now uh after a year i can do seven minutes in that quarter wow nice yeah. from a couple seconds to all the way up to seven minutes wow it's really yes. impressive <laughs> thank you i i i try so, yeah. And every day I'm like, I don't want to do it. Like, <laughs> why am I doing this to myself? I'm looking forward to it so much. And then like, when it's time to do it, I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing this stuff. To <laughs> this is in, no. And then after I do it, I'm like, oh, that's why I feel this way. So, I was just about to say, like, how do you feel every time, maybe even after a workout or after the ice plunge, what do you usually say to yourself? Um, after, after I just, I just remember why I do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They yeah. have have to do it, and yeah, it's better to do shorter workout but more consistent. That's the one no, just because I used to be in the gym for like one and a half hours or two hours, but only like three times a week. Mm-hmm. But it's better to come every day and do it shorter, uh, so it becomes like your lifestyle. Yeah, just like a lifestyle, just a daily habit, daily routine, and I feel like that's yes. just kind of another one of those um, kind of things that just kind of tie into just balancing our day to day, our moods and things like that, and just mm-hmm. living with this. So. Yeah, better yeah. to carve out because then if if an emergency or something happens on one of those three days, then you're kind of kind of throws you off your whole week and you're really time. missing out on that volume and how yeah. much you're working out. So exactly, yes. Do you have any other kind of non pharmacological things that you've kind of dabbled with outside of like sauna or cold plunge or, or like exercise? Yeah. yeah, I um I usually take like a holistic approach uh, mm-hmm. to my practice, um. And I think that's what I'm famous for in my practice. I do uh, not just those recommendations and like really emphasizing them, but also do some supplements. Like I recommend people things like magnesium and fish oils. And a lot of times people overlook it. And I try to dive into this uh, branch of medicine called called functional medicine that Mm -hmm. looks at the root of the problem. And those... By the way, those functional medicine people, they're like, oh, psychiatrists just prescribe medications. They don't look at the root of the problem. I wanted to let everybody know that we don't look at the root of the problem because it's very expensive. Your insurance is not going to cover it. So we try our best with what we can, mm-hmm. um, you know, but testing the uh, all the gut bacteria, uh, testing the heavy metals in the body, um checking your norepinephrine dopamine level they can do that cost enormous amount of money i went to one doctor fifteen thousand dollars is the workup five thousand dollars is the supplements mm-hmm. good luck testing yeah. everything so uh but you know i want their knowledge i want to see what they recommend so i i try to learn on my own and i want to um talk more about things like that on uh on the page that i'm uh doing bipolar with love so that, you know, people can benefit from that and, you know, maybe take some of those little things that like a little drop into the glass, maybe it yeah. won't cure you, but it will help you to function. 
No, absolutely. And that, that's something that's definitely something I want to do is plug your page at the very end of our episode today. And I'll conclude that in the show notes so it makes it clickable and people can find you, uh, your Instagram with Bipolar with Love and kind of how you're opening up and telling your story. That's how we originally met. And I'm sure that uh, maybe many of my listeners and people that you'll be able to connect with out there in the future as well. So I would love to. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I, I can personally test that I take fish oil. I take magnesium as well before bedtime. It really just helps uh, just kind of help me sleep and kind of manage it and kind of manage things. And it's just um, really a, it's it's more of a cost effective way versus the fifteen thousand dollar test or the five thousand dollar test. Again, it's just like an investment in myself and um, helps right. with the de- the depression. I noticed that once I took a certain dosage of a fish oil, that I really saw the benefits of it. Um, with my, with how my much low are you level. Um, I don't have the bottle with me in front of me right now. I don't know. Maybe you can recommend like a certain dosage that you maybe take for yourself or to your patients. Well, I recommend three to four grams. Mm-hmm. And I like this uh, brand called Nordic Naturals. It doesn't give you this like nasty fish burp that most of the, them do. So uh, it's like pleasant. I should take more of it. I keep forgetting. I take only one. Uh, but um, yeah, I, for example, I recommended it to, to a patient. She was um, like not super stable on her uh, bipolar meds. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, but before we start changing meds, how about you take all those supplements? And she was like, oh my God, I have no problem anymore. And just, it was just fish oils and magnesium. I was like shocked. So two, two stories. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's about the dose. It's like 3000 milligrams, about, about three grams of uh, mm-hmm. a, a minimum of, yeah. uh, of the fish oil. I think Nordic Naturals is a brand I've heard before, maybe seen on the shelves as well. Mm-hmm. So. And then personally, I take a magnesium glycinate. I think there's a couple of different forms of magnesium out there. That's the yes. person that's the one that I take that really helps with me just kind of um, in addition to my regular medications that I take, uh, mm-hmm. um, just kind of mm-hmm. helps with me at the end of the day, kind of unwind. It takes maybe like 30 to 45 minutes to kick in, but I just get a more restful night to sleep. So, Yes, glycinate. That's the one I recommend to my patients. Nice. Perfect. Um, maybe we can touch on, maybe I can pick your brain a little bit about uh, maybe medications and things like that. So. Yes. Um, and maybe in your own experience, what medication treatments options have you found most effective in managing your bipolar two disorder? Mm-hmm. So first I want to say that every person is different. And for every person, there'll be a different medication that helps this particular person. It doesn't cause side effects to this particular person, but for another person it's going to make it, you know, a horror movie. So all medications have their place. Okay. Personally, mm-hmm. I like, um, prescribing like I have go tos like uh, when it's somebody like a new break uh, bipolar um, most likely to I would do like Lamotrigine um, I like Latuda like Raylar um, maybe I'm biased because I've taken them myself and I like them but mm-hmm. um, I, I think they have very low side effect profile I'm trying to explore right now Rexaltian Caplita, which I think also pretty good options. Um, but, you know, for some people, it's just not going to cut it. It's not going to work. Or it might give you, like, weird side effect out of nowhere. And, you know, I definitely use lithium and risperidone and ketiapine and things like that um, also. Mm-hmm. So um, I personally tried not that many drugs actually in my opinion because because sometimes it takes a lot of drug trial i tried abilify i tried um bupropion i tried latuda tried varelar uh and um well that's not quite relevant but i still want to mention it uh, xanax and um uh some stimulants for my other things 
And that's okay. a story I want to tell you later on about the stimulants and bipolar disorder. So as for uh, what I'm taking right now, I am uh, taking, uh, I, I'm switching actually right now from Raylar to Latuda, back to Latuda. I used to be on Latuda, but then it went generic and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm taking Bupropion as well. So um, yeah, that's what I do. Uh Paulina, have you uh, really, with your personal, I'm really glad that you kind of touched on all the variety of medications that you take and how sometimes, um, at least I've heard in my my personal experience, like how it can really be an art and it's not a science and how your body can change and kind of maybe you have to, you're not, you're not really going to find one medication that's going to last you throughout your life. So uh, maybe we can touch on maybe a big reason why people change medication and that maybe it has to do with like side effects. Um, have you ever experienced any negative side effects from medications? And if so, uh, how do you cope with them while still maintaining your mental health? Right. Well, um, I would say that uh, if you have some sort of side effects, definitely bring it up to your provider. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, I had weight gain with Abilify mm-hmm. back back in the day, and uh, I was uh, in grad school. I, I didn't not fight it at all, and um, it beat me back. I did not exercise. So now I had a little bit of weight gain with Raylar, which is supposed to be weight neutral, but not for me. Uh, and I definitely bought, like, you know, I exercise a lot. Um, I actually also do pole dancing here. I have a pole. Um, oh, that's a, that's, that's a good workout. <laughs> yeah, with uh, me exercising uh, and eating very clean, very healthy. So avoiding sugar. Um that's super important when you are on those medications. Like if Abilify is the only one that worked for me, I will have to take it. Like and mm-hmm. but you know and uh, contract it with those measures. Maybe the some medications, even like bupropion, that uh, help me lose weight, but it's just like a side effect of the bupropion that maybe not for everybody, um, but it was good for me. And at first, bupropion actually. Uh, before they diagnosed me with bipolar, it caused me uh, uh, to have like more mania. Wow! Uh, I remember it was uh, it was so funny. They just prescribed it to me, and then I I, I took out my coworker uh, on a date and started uh, like hitting on him. So embarrassing later on, mm-hmm. but you know, uh, it's over. And um, uh, the other day, uh, I also experienced acathesia. Uh, because Raylar was still like not out of my system and uh, I put too much Latuda. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, oh my God, that feeling, you know, patients talk about it. I read about it a, ro- uh, uh, a lot. Uh, it's very bad feeling. I no wonder some people want to kill themselves. It's horrible. And, yeah. um, um, you know, obviously I brought it up to my provider right away and we came up with a different schedule for uh, the taper for the transition so it doesn't happen again. Uh, but there are medications uh, for that too, you know, that can uh, counteract that um, if that's the only medication that's working for your symptoms, for your psychiatric mm-hmm. symptoms. So um, I, uh, um, when I prescribe the medication, uh, I tell uh, my patients, how did I get to that conclusion? Like how I'm like saying, okay, this is my options, right? That's what mm-hmm. I can prescribe you. And I'm going to prescribe you this because such and such and such and such. 
So I always brainstorm out loud with my patients. So they, um, you know, they know that I'm trying my best for them. Yeah. Um, that's one of my things that I do. Love, Second, I love that approach. Yeah. Yeah. Second, I start with very low dosages and I do one change at a time, like sub-therapeutic dosages. Mm-hmm. A lot of psychiatrists give you like, oh, let me give you something therapeutic. Right away, I'm like, no, that's not gonna do. That's not gonna uh, establish a good therapeutic alliance between me and you. Because if you have side effect from that, just because the dosage was too high, you would hate me. Mm-hmm. So I do low dosages and I do frequent follow-ups with my patients, uh, so that they have a chance to bring up their concerns, ask questions, and to really like you know understand what they're going through. Mm-hmm. So. Find a provider who has this ability and not going to be like, okay, here's your medication. I'll see you in one month. Okay. That sucks. Um, Also, I let them stay in contact with me over patient portal and I tell them, hey, if you, you know, uh, feel like my left finger hurts with this medication, is this normal? Please message me on the patient portal so Mm -hmm. I can uh, reply to you. And before I prescribe the medication, I always tell them about first the most dangerous things that can happen and when to go to emergency room. It's like a legal disclaimer. And mm-hmm. second, about uh, like three, at least three most common uh, uh, side effects of the medication, immediate and long term. Okay. So um, it's, it's also very important for them to be able to recognize things when they're abnormal. Um, yeah, so that's how I um, try to, you know, convince people to stay, to, to take, to try different medications, slow, slow, and um, stay in contact. Yeah. No, I, re- I really like that approach. There's always, there's always room to kind of ramp up and kind of build up to that kind of quote unquote therapeutic dosage. I really like the fact that you kind of not only, you know, start low and slow, but also really uh, let your patients know, you know, you choose to advocate for yourself be the first one to speak up, communicate with me always uh, frequent, early and often, and let's kind of work together in this and, and really approaching this. And uh, I'm sure you have a, a better better or higher than usual success rate. I'm just, I'm just assuming so with just a holistic approach, working with exercise, supplements, and a lot of the things that we touched on and just really um, being really uh, interactive with your patients as well. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean... It. Yeah, I'm not, um, you know, uh, not gonna lie. I have good reviews online, and uh, I'm proud of them. I'm proud of the people that they uh, got to a better place. It's extremely gratifying profession mm-hmm. uh, when you do it in the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, like sometimes I share my personal experience with patients, but I tend not to do that because sometimes it becomes like awkward and it bites me back. Like this one patient um i you know i shared my story for the, for him to like um trust me more and uh explain him that i know what he's going through and then mm-hmm. i didn't want to give him benzodiazepines that he really wanted he's like i thought you would understand you also have bipolar disorder so i tried to avoid things like that you know yeah um um but um most of the time uh, i would say patients benefit from it yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can definitely see there's a fine line there between really opening against yourself and kind of having that mm-hmm. uh, professional, um, you know, physician uh, client uh, relationship. So, yes, yes. And with the last th- thing I wanted to mention, mm-hmm. uh, I'm very passionate about this. Um, 
my own experience with stimulants. Yes. So uh, when I got depressed uh, and I just was starting this job and it was very hard, I had to work three hours later, like overwork myself, no exercise. Um, and uh, I started, uh, everything was good in my life. And I was on a wood stabilizer on Latuda mm-hmm. only. And uh, I was just getting sleepy. And I thought there's something wrong with me. I went to like a bunch of doctors, tested all my blood work. And I came to the conclusion, maybe I have sleep apnea. Maybe there's something obstruction in my nose. So I was going through to doctor to, from doctor to doctor, trying mm-hmm. to understand what's wrong with me because I didn't feel sad. But I started feeling inattentive. It was hard for me to focus at work and do my documentation. So a big part of psychiatry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I came to my doctors like, look, I have ADHD. I've, I've always had it. Maybe, yes, I had it. Um, but I was always, you know, able to compensate for it. But right now I can't. Can we please mm-hmm. have try some stimulants? And my doctor is like, very like, okay, that's what you want to do. <laughs> Let's do it. Sometimes yeah. I do that to the patients. I have to. Um, so I started taking stimulants and they really helped at first. But then I would crash really hard and uh, ask for like a higher dosage. Um, and, uh, you know, it just wasn't working. I've, I, on the days when I would not take it, I would just be like a vegetable. Mm-hmm. And I was in despair, not understanding why it's happening, what's going on with me and how can I get out of it. Then I went to this ENT doctor and I was like, can you cut out whatever you found in my nose? Because I can't live like that. And I was mm-hmm. crying. She was like, Polina, I think you need a good psychiatrist. They have one like right next door. I was mm-hmm. furious. I was leave it. I was like, mm-hmm. you, are, you know what? I'm my own psychiatrist. What are you talking about? I'm not depressed. Uh, so I just like went off and then I came home and like went through the, uh, criteria of depression and oh my god i was depressed i did mm-hmm. not understand that so today's a little butrin and i got up and started going it's just it was it was you know magically gone i would say i'm lucky it usually doesn't happen that fast or anything like that but since then see that experience was horrible mm-hmm. um but since then I now know how to differentiate between depression, whether it's a part of bipolar or just a unipolar depression, mm-hmm. and um, uh, ADHD. A lot of my patients are young professionals who come and say, I can't focus. And they start crying, please, I just want to do my job. I cannot focus. Give me something. And, you know, I uh, dig and dig and show them that, look, this is depression. That's not ADHD. Because everybody talks about ADHD these days. Yeah. Um, and um, sometimes I cannot actually convince them that this is what it is. And they, you know, I, I uh, carefully say, look, I'm going to give you a stimulant. Yes, it seems like you have ADHD as well. And a lot of times, yeah, that's true. They also have ADHD on the top of that. Mm-hmm. But, but you're going to see what's going to happen to you. You're going to start crashing. You, it's going to stop working. And when it happens, then they trust me and like, okay, yeah, I, I proved my point here. Yeah. Um, so, but at least we developed therapeutic alliance because otherwise, okay, I'm not going to prescribe it to you. Good to, good to see you. Like, you know, it's, it's going to ruin 
um, the the relationship. So sometimes I have to like go around. But you know, mm-hmm. personal experience uh, really helps with the, uh, the the type of job I'm doing right now. Yeah. No, I think it's very good. I really appreciate you sharing like not only your personal, but like kind of some of the things you do in your professional setting. And I like how you preface it, you know, with the medication talk. It's very, uh, it's a very touchy subject because, well, again, what works for one person may not always work for the next person. But I appreciate your raw honesty and being able to really kind of touch on some of these medications. And a lot of people don't really have the background to kind of speak on these things and even including in, including maybe even dabbling and in, um, in, including some stimulants as well. So. I um, really appreciate your time today, Paulina. Thank you so much. You're very um, welcome. Where can we find you on Instagram? And maybe feel free to plug anything else uh, where we can find you and um, some of those things as well. So, For now, it's just Instagram and it's okay. bipolar with love. It's like from Russia with love, but mm-hmm. bipolar with love, you know? Nice. So, uh, yeah, it's just on Instagram for now. I'm going to do the TikTok later and uh, maybe some other social media. That's yeah. that's what I want to do. I want to bring awareness to bipolar, and I want to I want to show people that you can live successfully with bipolar. I think I'm pretty successful right now, and I've managed to handle it at this point where um, it's it's working not against me at least. Mm-hmm. So I want to encourage others to make the lifestyle choices to to find the right psychiatric care to be successful, be healthy and successful. Yeah, absolutely. This is not, I think this has been a great episode because there's so many great lines and metaphors that we can kind of steal from you. Like this is not a death sentence and you can be very high functioning and live a, and live a great lifestyle and, and as you choose to fit and accomplish all your goals. So thank you so much, right. Paulina. Um, uh, this will conclude another episode of the Lifting with Bipolar podcast. Please uh, check out the show notes and follow uh, my dear friend, Bipolar with Love. Alrighty, guys. Catch you next time. All right. Stop the episode. Cool. Let's see here. It's stopping. I think it's just coming to an end. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Lifting with Bipolar. Stay connected with me directly through jonathancharco.com. You can also join the discussion on Instagram at jonathancharco. As always... Thank you for pushing your mindset and heart towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Don't forget to please leave a review of the podcast, as well as subscribe to stay fully up to date. Until next time, be kind to yourself and each other.